It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the Monday morning edition. We're recording this late on Saturday night. We'll get into that a little bit more here in a moment. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. The storms have subsided, finally. Glad I didn't try to play a basketball game in all this uh, tonight. Uh, Dan Peck, also in Auburn, Alabama, traversing the uh, the open road. Uh, I hope you uh, – are you adjusting, Dan, to the fact that students are back? You know, first day of class on Wednesday – uh, the, the town's getting crowded again. Uh, the, the the village the village is starting to load up one more time. Yeah, I think the energy around the last week or so on campus has been noticeably different. You've you've just you could tell there's a lot more people around. Rush has uh, folks you know competing for parking spots in some of the places where we go to uh, cover the team. So yeah, it's been uh, it, it's been fun. You can tell it's right around the corner. All the fun stuff. Uh, is 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 right around the corner, and it's uh, it's an exciting time uh, in Auburn. Checking in from an undisclosed location on the ones and twos. The producer, editor, and uh, general man about town, Painter Sharpless. How are we doing tonight, Painter? Doing well, doing well. So this is a late night record for for me and the fellas uh, because a couple reasons. Number one, um, we'll get into this will be our lead topic before we get into what the bulk of the show is going to be, which is. Um, which is Auburn's scrimmage on on, on Saturday. Um, we're recording this on Monday. We had it kind of planned that we were going to, you know, originally we thought, eh, maybe we'll record on Monday for Tuesday, and we decided to go ahead and, and put it out. There was also the reason that there was a chance to Flory Badunga, uh, the, uh, the, the, the top-rated player, um, you know, number four player in the country, had Auburn in his final four. You know, I had a mailbag question about this on Friday, and I said I'd be surprised if it was either, not either Duke or Kansas where everything kind of felt. And then, in about a few in a few hours on, on Friday afternoon, things kind of really flipped. Uh, there were several um, moderators at the two four seven site for Duke who flipped their predictions from Duke to Auburn because they knew they weren't going to Duke. Cooper Flag, who is if you haven't seen Cooper Flag yet, uh, he was a twenty twenty five kid who reclassified to twenty twenty four. Um, the number one player potentially in the 2025 NBA draft is a kid from Maine. You got to check out Cooper flag if you haven't already. Um, and so it kind of felt like, okay, it doesn't feel like Badunga was going to end up there. A lot of, a lot of traction to Auburn. You started seeing some other folks, uh, at some other sites. I think rivals and on three had some, had some analysts and, and recruiting experts flip their predictions to Auburn. He's announcing it, the Under Armour game in Atlanta. There's a huge delay because they're doing it outside in the rain and yada, playing with Todd Pettiford, who looked good in the first half uh, of that. And then on halftime, he makes his commitment, and he picks Kansas. So he ends up with the Jayhawks after all. There was a lot of momentum towards the end of the stretch for Auburn, but it ends up kind of being what a lot of people thought from the beginning, um, or at least from the beginning of this week, I would say, Um Kansas or Duke, and it ends up being Kansas. Flag's most likely going to be, now that these are classified, going to be the uh, the lead uh, target for Duke in the 24 class. It, it's a it's a shot for Auburn that I think, you know, up until really the day before, I didn't know if there was real serious, serious traction, um, but people still thought Auburn had, had a shot there. Um, but, yeah, it just, uh, you know, we were fully ready to jump on, talk about that, you know, put it out on Sunday talk about the scrimmage as well lo and behold he's not uh coming to to auburn uh todd pettiford uh is still the uh, the lone guy in the 24 class for auburn it'll be interesting to see where the tigers go from there yes dan i wonder and i think we'll see this play out over future recruiting cycles uh 
I wonder how many programs are going to be equipped to recruit at a national championship level in both football and men's basketball, especially as NIL plays a larger and larger role because, you know, there's only so much money and Mm -hmm. some places have to prioritize what sport, you know, what, what sport do you want? And I don't know if NIL had anything to do with the decision today uh, from Badunga to, to go uh, to, uh, to, to, to Kansas instead of Auburn or Duke. I, I just wonder, because you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, is anybody recruiting? I guess USC had a, had a very nice run. I, I don't know exactly where they are in football of late, but they, they're somebody who has recruited at a top 10, top 5 level in both football and men's basketball recently. Maybe Alabama? Alabama's uh, the only one that came to mind. Yeah, Arkansas is not there in football. No. Um, you know, I, I Duke and Kansas, the the Blue Bloods in men's basketball right. really aren't. Uh, UCLA as well, Arizona. Like, those places aren't bringing in five-star recruits in football. All right, so in 2024 right now, the 2024 class, which it's it's still, you know, there's still time. In basketball, the top ten are North Carolina, Rutgers, Missouri, Georgetown, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Arizona, Baylor, Duke, and UConn. So A&M, A&M is, is the only one that's top 10 in both, I believe. How's Notre right Dame? That's for, that's for 24. How's Notre Dame's football recruiting? Actually, right you know, they, take, take that back. Notre Dame's also in the top yeah, 10 Yeah, well. I, I wonder if Notre Dame would be, because that was a program that came to mind where, where maybe they could, but yeah. they also, you know, they're, they're not in on every five-star in, no. in both sports the way some of these, uh, some of the state schools or some of the places in, larger conferences might go i thought ohio state michigan you know there there was a chance you know depending on how the how they're recruiting of late like yeah 2023 uh so the cycle that just ended uh in both these um looks like the top tens were in both were alabama ohio state and usc i think got in got them in all all or i should say in both sports it's gonna be it's possible yeah it's it's possible, but it's it's going to be tough, right? To yeah. keep to keep both programs there, especially as you know, we're talking about a finite number of resources for mm-hmm. for these NIL collectives. And they're going to have to choose. So, yeah, I, I wonder if you know, I wonder if that could play into the hands of traditional men's basketball powers that don't have uh, national championship goals in football, like Kansas and Duke and Arizona, and I guess maybe you could put my beloved UCLA Bruins. On, on that list, although, you know, I know yeah, they, football. They, got, they got years where they throw some punches in, oh, yeah. uh, in, in football. I remember, but, I remember them getting Soso Jamobo. I remember that. I remember, yeah. that being a, I remember that being a big deal. And, of course, our Rosen, boy, our, our yeah. beloved Josh Rosen, the, the Painter, star. Painters, painters, painters man, Josh Rosen. Star, star tennis player who switched over to quarterback uh, pretty late. In, uh, in That's a switch you don't see very often, so I always, I always note that. <laughs> The Big Ten the thought legend. of <laughs> so, so Jamobo, by the, the way. The thought of Badunga, uh, Big Ten you know, legend cho- Josh Rosen choosing Auburn, you know, had me. I mean, th- this guy, I think he's the third biggest recruit in Kansas basketball history. I don't know where he would have ranked in in Auburn history. He would have been the top. He, he would have been, been ahead recruit. of yeah. Jabari Smith. And real quick, I don't want to like go in and do a deep deep dive on a guy that Auburn's not going to get. But I mean, this dude, this dude's phenomenal. He he moved from the Democratic Democratic Republic of the Congo to Indiana. Um, started playing high school basketball a few years ago. Dominant, utterly dominant. He's physical, um, 
fast for his size, very explosive, dunks everything. He had an 80% field goal percentage last season. He dominates on the AAU trail. He dominates in these in these camps they do, not just not just his regular high school ball. Um, he would have been a perfect fit for Auburn. I think he'd have been a perfect fit for anybody, but you, you see rim runner, super athletic, uh, rebound, fire, awesome shot blocker as well. It would have been a big, a big pickup. And, and it'll he's, be interesting to see what Auburn of, does moving forward. He's the kind of player who is only going to college because the NBA does not allow you to declare for the draft right out of high school. I think he would, be, yeah. he would be a lottery pick in oh, the yeah. NBA draft yeah. coming out of high school if he was allowed to do it. In general, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't hate it because I do feel like a lot of kids sacrifice their college eligibility on bad advice and, and went into the draft and went undrafted, you know, back when the rules allowed high school players to do it. But you mm-hmm. do have that occasional player where – it's almost a farce that he's got to play college basketball for a year because he's Zion, ready. To, Zion was definitely like that. Sure, I mean there, there are a couple who come in and, and you know people thought, I, I guess I guess Bancaro even right was was a prospect yeah. on, on on that level and ended up going first overall subsequently. But you you have the occasional player like that. It's more uncommon in college football, right? Like that's where it's like okay, this guy you know most most freshmen and sophomores need need a little bit of time. I guess Adrian Peterson. Seemed ready immediately, right right out of I, right out of the gate. I think football. We've talked about this part. I think football. The only guy I can remember where it was just like pretty obvious and pretty clear from his true freshman season. Like, yeah, this dude probably shouldn't be playing playing this. You know, he could have gone straight away. Is is Jadavian Clowney? Because like even like the really awesome quarterbacks, like you know, like what Trevor Lawrence was his freshman year at at, at Clemson. I'll even think of uh, another recent example. How, I mean, remember. Derek Stingley Jr. was the best DB in the country as a true freshman at at uh, at LSU. It's like even then, like though, it's just it's a different ballgame. But Clowney was such a freak athlete that it just felt like, oh wow, no, that's that that shouldn't, <laughs> you know, he he could have made that jump, but it's very very few. Is Adrian Peterson 04 a little bit before your time? Because he was. Oh yeah, no, I remember him. Yeah, Adrian Peterson in 04 to see a true freshman running away from Big 12 defenses. And the thing the thing I always remember about Adrian Peterson, I feel like Ricky Williams did some of this too, is when you're when you're a big powerful running back and you're breaking away from defensive backs, like they're not gaining on you as you as you run down like the the gap's getting larger. Peterson and Ricky Williams were two guys that had that and Peterson had it as a as a true freshman. Yeah. So this no was a Bad- basketball segment at some yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> no, so no Badunga for Auburn. It'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. I, I think this season for Auburn basketball, as we get closer and closer to it, I do like the the collection of talent they've got, the speed, um, the style. I think it's gonna. I think on on the floor they've got the potential to to really click well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see just how much better this this crew can be if they can take a step forward from what last year was a step. Back, not a huge step back. Still made the tournament. Still bit went to the second round. Still had some good wins on, on the resume, but um, it, it will be interesting because like Badunga would have made a ton of sense as a guy that could step right in for Janai Broom. Um, could kind of do, you know, some stuff that Auburn really really want. I, I tell you, his best comp that I saw, little different players, different body types for sure. But another guy that Bruce Pearl really really pushed hard after. Uh, and wasn't able to get, and that's Bam Adebayo. He reminds me a lot of a, like a like a skinnier, shiftier Bam Bam Adebayo, where it's just dominant blo- shot blocker, rebounder, and if he's got any space down low, he's just going to make you pay. So uh, we had an exciting development this week on the drive. Uh, Andy Burcham is going to start joining us on Tuesdays for a couple of segments wow, what a every week, which is which is really really we love cool. Andy. And, and Andy. 
uh, got to uh, got to watch some practice over the last few weeks and tell us about what you know what he's heard and what he's seen and uh, you know I I think uh, a lot of it's informal but he he is really excited about what's been going on on the perimeter for Auburn oh, yeah. he looks he looks at the incoming freshman right uh, Holloway and the new arrival from the portal uh, Denver Jones and especially. The guy Andy was maybe most enthusiastic about, Trey Donaldson, the offseason Trey's been able to have. We, we like to point out, this is Trey's first offseason where he wasn't also a football player. And yeah. the thought of him yep. making great strides as a point guard because he's allowed to focus just on that craft. Um, I'm really excited for what kind of Trey Donaldson we're going to see. And that's, you know, it's, it's the other quarterback battle going on at Auburn right now is who's going to be Who's going to be the point guard between Trey and Aiden on, on that on that first? Uh, I think both of them play a decent bit. No matter. I, I what. think so. I think so too. Yeah, and I, and I'm just curious to see what that. I mean, I, for anybody who has seen or you know saw him, the Tahai Pettiford is a, is a fantastic talent. This is a guy that is going to end up being right up there with um, Aiden and, and and Sharif and Jabari in terms of that type of player, in terms of type of recruit, I should say, coming out of high school, but. The other thing there is is that pairing them with another star and just kind of what it'll be. It'll be interesting to see how Auburn adjusts. Um, you know, probably too late in the game to go snag a five-star or another really, really good player. But we have seen, you know, Auburn really work at the transfer portal really well, use some of these second chances at guys like a Walker Kessler. It'll just be be interesting to see what, what, what the move is moving forward for Bruce Pearl and his staff. But I, I do think – you know, it's it's a it's it's a sucker punch, sure for Auburn fans who got excited. You know, when the buzz started building for for um, for Bedunga to come to Auburn, and that makes a, a ton of sense. Um, but also, recruiting is a wild game. This was a particularly wild recruitment that had a lot of twists and turns in it. Um, kind of shifted expectations all the way to the end. You know, yeah, you know, Auburn Auburn uh, Auburn is going to continue to get in the mix for guys like these, and and it'll be interesting to see who the next one will be that they'll land. You know, don't ignore how good Todd Pettiford is and, and some of these guys that they have, like Aiden Holloway as well. Um, he, he just would have been a different type of uh, type of player uh, to get a guy like Badunga. Do you have any observations about the out of conference schedule? Because I think that's oh, yeah. been I think that's been unveiled since our most recent episode. And, yeah. Uh, so we talked uh, we talked the other day about the Huntsville game uh, coming into place. And knowing that Auburn's going to be playing Notre Dame to open that tournament in Brooklyn, I said they were definitely playing Oklahoma State. It's the it's they could play St. Bonaventure as well. I don't want to be respect, disrespectful to the Bonnies uh, on that second day. Uh, other games uh, that we did not know uh, for certain were happening that are happening. Uh, your home games, your your small conference home games this year, um, November tenth against Southeastern Louisiana, November twenty first against Alabama A and M. Um, December 22nd against Alabama State. December 30th against UT Chattanooga. January 2nd against Penn. Uh, so the Quakers uh, back around for Auburn. Uh, and then the new one that we got confirmed, we knew that there was a chance that it was going to happen, but now we have a date. Between Auburn's uh, SEC-ACC Challenge game against Virginia Tech on November 29th and that trip to Indiana and Atlanta, or I'm sorry, the trip to Atlanta to face Indiana, they're playing at App State. Making up for that two that two for one agreement, they're going to Boone on December the third. So that is your schedule, and then uh, you know games that we've already known about Baylor in South Dakota, 
uh, is happening. Um, USC is coming to uh, the arena as well uh, on December 17th. So pretty good um, schedule, of course. Uh, Bruce Pearl's statements uh, about um, the, the the schedule. A lot of love to the guy, Mike Burgermaster, as always, but a good mix of teams that are either coming off an NCAA tournament run or expected to contend for an NCAA tournament spots. Uh, and there's some big names. There are some big, big names. Also, Auburn playing AUM in an exhibition, which I think is always cool whenever Auburn and AUM uh, cross paths. One one note about a smaller conference opponent on Auburn's schedule. You mentioned Southeastern Louisiana University. Uh, they are, I think, uh, I think I encountered it when Troy played them recently. They like to be called Southeastern. That, yes. That's that's sort of the rebrand. Sila. They, they've but attempted. Yeah. yeah, they 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 have a bunch of. Uh, if I recall correctly, they had a bunch of terms we're not supposed to use <laughs> when calling their game, and the only ones that's I think Southeastern. Word. Southeastern Louisiana University, if you say all three words, is okay. But otherwise, you're supposed to just call them Southeastern. I think the Southeastern Lions has kind of a catchy, like yeah. that's, not, that's not the worst identity uh, for That's not the worst well, Louisiana, uh, identity Louisiana also for a has college. Northwestern State uh, in it. So, like, they have, you know, they, they've got some directionals locked down over there. Yeah, and um, some, some Sunbelt notes like that that just come to mind for me. Uh, Monroe only wants to be called ULM. Yep. They've, they've they've tried to phase out everything else. Don't call them Louisiana Monroe or the University of Louisiana Monroe. And or Lafayette Monroe. pulled a Nevada and and only wants to be called Louisiana. And the one that surprised me uh, was that App State wants to be called App State. Like that's that's not. Oh. They don't want to be Appalachian or Appalachian State. They don't want to be uh, uh, Appalachian State University or ASU. It's it's App State. Exclusively is the preferred hmm. uh, the preferred branding uh, for for App State. Uh, Little Rock being Little Rock now. I know that's not new, but that's 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 another one that they like really hammer. We on. booted we booted them out of the Sun Belt too because they don't play uh, they don't play D one football. And we told uh, oh that's the two, right. Uh, Little Rock and uh, UT Arlington had to had to get lost. Even though those were two of my favorite trips to make in the mm-hmm. conference because those are two I thought those are two cool cities to have in the league. But I get that you know may, maybe they're in places that. Uh, Arlington's in that crazy league with all the Texas schools. Yeah. Now that's the like whack, the new whacker. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, all the Texas schools in Cal Baptist or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know what's going on over there. The, the former independents that are still hanging around. Shout, um, shout out, shout out to the UT Arlington Mavericks. All right, fellas, uh, enough basketball. We're going to switch over to football because as of recording this, Auburn is three weeks away. Now less than three weeks away of the start of the season. They play UMass as we all know. Scrimmage time in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday. Uh, Dan and I were there to talk to Hugh Freeze afterwards. Um, those of you who are subscribed to The Observer got the observations on Saturday and honestly put really like everything I had in there <laughs> that I got. Just unloaded the notebook with everything from the, from the scrimmage. Um, so let's dive in. Uh, Dan, I, I, I would imagine your top takeaway from this was Hugh Free saying, I thought I knew where to go with the quarterback battle. Uh, he said, quote, yesterday I had my mind made up, and after today I need to watch the film before I say anything yeah. after that. This was day 10. This was supposed to be the time when Auburn was going to start narrowing it down, maybe from 3-2 to two in the competition. Uh, what happened on Saturday has at least got Free second-guessing himself a little bit uh, here over the weekend. Auburn returns to practice. By the time you're listening to this on Monday morning, Auburn returns to practice uh, in a few hours, yeah. When that 
I, I guess when we know more about the decision, when we find out mm-hmm. who makes the cut to two, you know, we'll we'll go back and look for clues as to you know sure. how how did we could we have seen this coming? Did Hugh Freeze have it in his mind that it was going to be Peyton and Robbie and Holden made a case in the scrimmage to stay alive? Was Robbie in third going into the scrimmage and made a case? to stay alive in the in the competition. Like you've said before, Justin, feels unlikely that Peyton Thorne's not going to advance to the round of two in this battle. You know, Peyton sure. Thorne seems like a a safe bet to to outlast at least one, if not both of these guys uh, in, in this battle. However, as somebody uh, somebody will surely note as they're listening to this, Peyton Thorne, the one who did not throw a touchdown pass in Saturday's scrimmage, Ashford and Holden Gariner did. Ashford uh, to Nick Martiner and uh, Gariner to uh, Jair Shorter, who some folks have been asking about the, the North Texas transfer. Um, yeah, I, I want to keep in mind, because we're going to talk about this when we talk about the wide receivers as well. This is one scrimmage. Now, the first scrimmage is a big deal, and scrimmages are a big deal. But don't let it overshadow completely everything else that's happened uh, going in. This is you, know, you don't make your decisions based off of just one scrimmage. Keep that in mind. Now, was asked... What does this mean um, moving forward, and what could it look like? The only thing that I'm comfortable of saying and that I know for a fact is that um, I think that all three of these quarterbacks have had their impressive moments. They've made their strides. Robbie Ashford, as a guy that we have seen before, who, who we have seen before, you know, coming into camp, a lot of people were thinking, well, Robbie Ashford, can he make the throws? Can his accuracy improve? His accuracy has improved. I've seen some of that with my own eyes. I've heard about it from the scrimmage as well. Now, you know, how much has he improved? What is that going to look like in a game situation? We don't know yet. But I can tell you that Robbie Ashford has made strides and um, has impressed with the moves he has made with his arm. Holden Garner. Now, I there's somebody uh, who listened to the drive the other day. Um, I think believe it's uh, who goes by Sparky on our uh, on our board made a comment the other day that I had to yeah you know, that that I wanted to address here also is that I think when I was on the drive and I didn't and it didn't come across I hope I didn't try to make it come across this way I kind of downplayed or made it sound like I was downplaying Holden Garner where he was in this battle let's be let's be clear Holden Garner's done a great job in this game every time you talk to anybody about Holden Garner they are very impressed with what he has done now what we've been able to see. Not with the ones yet. We have not seen that. But I'm sure he got those reps uh, in the scrimmage. And his arm talent is really, really good. He just does not have the starting experience of guys like, you know, Thorne and Ashford. But he's a younger guy. We haven't seen a ton of him yet. He was impressive in the scrimmage. I know that uh, from, you know, for people who, who watch it. He was impressive. Now, the thing is, is that I don't know if – what Hugh is having to second guess, what he and his staff are having to reconsider this weekend. I don't know if that is the order of the quarterbacks that they feel. I don't know if it's which one to lop off in the battle and get it down to two. I don't know which one that is, right? But I am comfortable in saying that I think those guys, those three guys, have given them a lot to think about this week, and something happened on Saturday. Some things happened on Saturday to cause them to shake it up. Now, what that looks like specifically, we don't know. And like you just said, Dan, I think once we see the decision, maybe we can find some clues after the fact. But as of right now, that's all I know because I'm not going to act like I know what's going on inside Hugh Freeze's head when it, in regards to this quarterback battle. 
I would defer, and if you have the transcripts, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Yeah, Camden, it. Bra- Camden Brown yesterday mm-hmm. talked to the media and sort of broke down all three quarterbacks, and, and I thought maybe like his, his answers would be more helpful for this because he's catching balls from them much more frequently than either of us, and he sort of talked about like what, what all three of them had done well or how they'd impressed him this offseason. You don't get the sense there's a ton of separation between the three maybe that's deliberate right to, to try to keep morale and the spirit of competition going maybe that's because they actually don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be sure. for this team um, but yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what what ultimately what ultimately happens over the next couple of days whether or not we go to a second scrimmage with three quarterbacks still battling for two yeah. spots or if this uh, gets whittled down before then. Uh, Hugh Freeze, I would point out, did not seem unhappy with Peyton Thorne. No, in in his answer, he, he just he, did not say that. He said Peyton did not throw a touchdown pass. I don't, I don't think he has had as many notable moments in the scrimmage as the other two guys did. And it's been it's been raining enough here in Auburn that we can do sort of some dark clouds over like parts of like it wasn't all positive from Hugh Freeze today. Oh, not right. At all. He, there were there were a couple of groups that that received some criticism, and I feel like there are also some players, some position groups where and and it's not as though we have enough information to to say they're not performing, but we're hearing more about other players at the position, which would sort of indicate if I had to guess stock up or stock down. You know, there are a couple of players where I'd say right now the indication, I, I thought they were going to be in line for some playing time, and now, thanks to other contenders receiving buzz, I, I don't know what it looks like. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, do you want to, um, I guess, first, what, what do you what do you think of, yeah, the, the groups that Hugh Freeze sort of criticized there. Yeah, I will say one more for the quarterbacks. Uh, okay. All three of those guys uh, took care of the ball. Uh, you didn't hear turnover problems, which I know is a key thing for for what coaches are looking for in a first scrimmage, uh, for sure. Um, he talked about accuracy hopefully coming, but they took care of the ball, uh, be playing in the right space, giving the plays in our offense, and said, quote, I thought all three did that fairly well today. Um, so there were positives. Again, I think you can point to plays that Ashford made and plays that Garner made. Um, you can probably point to more of those than you did of Thorne, but that doesn't necessarily say that he's third in the battle, anything like that. It, it'll be very interesting to see what it goes moving forward uh, because all we know for sure is that Freeze's thought of where they were going in the quarterback battle had to be at least reconsidered over the weekend. They were going to watch the film on Saturday. They were off on Sunday. We'll see what that looks like next week. Um, the groups that I think struggled, or at least had the had the more negatives, wide receivers, the guys catching the ball from these dudes. Now, they had some good plays, some good catches. We did mention Shorter scoring a touchdown, Marner scoring a touchdown, some, some plays from different guys. Free said it had been an incredible week for the receivers and their development and their progress. Saturday was not what they wanted. Now, this is where you get a little scheme heavy here, so... I'll try to explain this as best as I as best as I can, uh, and you know a lot of you probably know what what this is, but not everybody does. So I want to kind of explain it here. Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze's offense that they put together, a lot of it has a ton of option routes. When we think of the option, it's not just the triple option or the read option, the RPO, um, throwing it and. Option routes in football are basically, hey, we have this play call, and if the your defender is doing this or if the defense is doing this, you do this. 
And if it's doing something else, you run a different route, right? Most obvious example uh, on an RPO, like on a, on a RPO where they're going to pull it. I'm on the outside. Painter's guarding me on the outside. If he's tight on me on coverage, I know I'm going to release and I'm going to go deep. That's going to be the shot. That's going to be a read that I'm going to make before the play. That's going to be a read the quarterback's going to notice. It's going to be go. Painter plays off of me. Zone coverage, off man, stuff like that. He's giving me a cushion. Well, I'm going to take that cushion, and I'm going to run something straight and then turn back and 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 quick. That's, that's an easy one. Um, there's also ones where, you know, depending on what, where the coverage does, you can run a slant or you can run it, it, so many different options. It's a very pro-style thing in an offense that runs very fast and very, you know, very, uh, very quick and very modern, very college, I guess is the best way to put it. So on an RPO or just any of these option routes, you got to run the right route. And if you don't run the right route, A, the quarterback doesn't know where you're going. He doesn't know where you're going to throw with the ball. And that gets wonky. Free said this on, on Saturday, way too many opportunities in the RPO game that the quarterback made the right decision to throw the ball. And the receiver is, again, I haven't watched the film, they're either loafing, which we can't have, or he chose to run the wrong, run the wrong route. We have to look at us at coaches first on that and be sure we get that cleaned up. It's new. And that's where I was saying with, with a new quarterback, no matter if it's Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, Holden Garner, however it is, no, no matter who it ends up being, and, I, and I'll say I won't be surprised by anything moving forward when it comes to this quarterback battle. It's all new. This is a, this is a different system, and this is the, there's a lot of new faces here, and this is going to be a work in progress. And on top of that, it's going to be a work in progress this season. Marbury's not going to be a finished product throwing the ball for a while. And... Part of that is the options because it is it is different. You're telling guys at wide receiver, hey, it's not just the quarterbacks who are having to read the defense. You got to read the defense, bud. It's not just you're definitely running this on this play. It's you got to know and think like a quarterback and visualize like, hey, this is what the defense is doing, and you take what they're giving you. And if you're not doing that enough, it just throws everything out of whack. And that's the thing. It's like there's so many new pieces. This is a new offense. This is a new scheme that it's going to be a work in progress. So patience is key here but as free said they did have a really good week heading to the scrimmage they just did not have a great overall scrimmage a rougher day for that room i would still be surprised you said nothing would surprise you you know going for i'd still be surprised if we found out peyton thorn like was third and the battle was just going to be between the other two like i i would you know that that's still a development i still kind of think you know he's and i, I feel like it's a safe bet to, to think he's going to be one of your one of your last two, and it's and it's a competition now, and it and it could be that would it, be the most could surprising be a, thing for sure. Yeah. yeah, it'd be it'd be the most surprising development of in the short term. Um, as for the wide receivers, boy, you know the 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 chill that was in that room when Hugh Freeze talked about loafing, right? Like yeah. you could just sense, like you in a in a competition that needs to whittle off some of the, uh, you know, just just. A couple of a couple of players, right? I mean, you're not going to have ten wide receivers in your rotation, and you probably want to have uh, a, a pretty good idea of of what the rotation looks like. And I know you've got some injuries. Which yeah, that's Hugh the other Freeze, thing. Hugh Freeze went into detail about some of the injuries in that room, and I thought that was a really interesting part of the press conference as well. But you do not want your effort questioned right now. Like I hope, I mean, I almost you almost hope it was a mental mistake, mm-hmm. right? And they and they you ran can up, fix that. Uh, yeah, because and it, you can fix the others too, but it's 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 a lot it's a lot worse if you're having yeah. to correct those mistakes. Yeah, and it just you know right right now is not not the time for that. So uh, so yeah, I'm sure that's something Hugh Freeze and and uh, the uh, the rest of the offense you know, they'll be paying close attention to over the next couple of days. Four 
four injury concerns for Auburn wide receiver right now. All four guys that are returning dudes in this offense, too. Just keep that in mind. We have seen and heard a lot more about the transfers and some of the new guys, younger guys. Cameron Brown, bad luck, uh, as Freeze called it. Really hasn't practiced since I've been here, truthfully, the spring or in camp. We sure do need to get him healthy. That's tough. But Camden you know. Camden told us it was a hamstring, I think, during mm-hmm. the during the media opportunity the day before. And he was limited in spring as well. I don't think they've gotten to see him go full speed yet, which has got to be frustrating for, for everyone involved. Javarius Johnson had an incident in practice where he had to have stitches in his mouth, and it was very uncomfortable to wear a chin strap and all that down on his gums. He'll be fine. He was having a really good camp. There's another thing. People have been asking about VAR. Um, Malcolm Johnson Jr. had a collarbone injury in spring ball. Now he's dealing with something with his shoulder. Uh, it's not expected to be significant according to Freeze, but it's another another guy who talked to us recently um, trying to get healthy. He has been at Auburn for a while. And then Coy Moore, limited in fall camp. We've seen him in a non-contact jersey at times. Hasn't really been able to go uh, full speed with, with an ankle injury. That affects things because now you're getting a lot of younger guys and a lot of transfers are getting these reps, and they're new to it, and that affects everything. And that affects what your quarterbacks do. It affects what your defense does. It just – they got a ways to go. They got they got a lot of work to do in the passing game, and I think that's the position group. Wide receiver, wide receiver was the position group in practice or in the scrimmage on Saturday that I think had the most negatives attached to them. But then again, like we were saying – this is a group that is having to do a lot and learn a lot really quickly, and they're not at full strength, which is definitely going to affect what the, what they've got going on here. So, not making excuses. Again, Free said that they had a really good quarter, uh, really good week of practice heading into that. Uh, but the quote there was, "I thought we improved immensely from day one to day six. Today, I thought we took a step back, and I've got to go watch film and see why." So, be interested to see what comes out of that with that wide receiver room. I mean, reassuring to know that it's not something more serious uh, for VAR or uh, for, for, for Javarius because like to, all those stitches in the mouth sounds super unpleasant. I remember when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, right? So it's like that's, uh, that's, that's no bad. fun. All, all the best to, uh, to, to VAR. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, right now I would say the positive buzz at receiver seems like it's around the four transfers. Um, I mean, every time I noted that, boy, does it seem like Nick Mardner and Camden Brown's unavailability maybe plays sure. a role here, too. But it seems like Nick Mardner is throwing the ball a lot when we're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we, we find that he caught a touchdown pass in today's scrimmage from Ashford. Yep. Shorter and hooks and especially Burton had already collected positive buzz, different points of this offseason. I know there's the shorter injury concerns as well although it sounds yeah. like he went he went in the scrimmage right it sounds yes. it sounds like uh, fr- from what we know Jay Fair would be the other receiver I know he's not a transfer he'd be other, the other one where it sounds like yeah that there's he's played his way into so maybe I mean, what do you think of this yeah. Justin the four the four transfers mm-hmm. Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson as the six receivers who get the most playing time this year yeah I mean uh I think a healthy Camden Brown has a lot to say about it, but he's got to get healthy, and that's that's going to be interesting to see. The other thing there is Javarius Johnson, Caleb Burton, and Jay Fair. We know Burton can play on the outside, but that's a lot of that's a lot of slot dudes, and so 
uh, yeah, I'm 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 curious to see what that what that group does. Um, they seem to be making plays in practice, and they had a good week up until the uh, Saturday when the scrimmage happened. There were some good moments. There were some positives. Uh, but again, I think I think just that's the thing. I know there's a lot of excitement right now with Auburn football. We'll talk about another recruit uh, that they picked up on Saturday. Um, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz uh, surrounding Auburn football right now. And fans are getting hyped up, and we're getting closer to the season. And, um, you know, people are thinking about, you know, can Auburn really exceed expectations this year? And there's a lot of positive energy. I will say, though, but the realistic view is this passing game is going to be a work in progress. These wide receivers, a lot of them are new, or a lot of them are young, or they're doing stuff that they haven't been asked to do very much. And the quarterback situation is still, you know, in flux, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Good positive thing for the offense. It's not like the running backs had a really good day overall. I think that's the group that got the most love uh, out of the crew. Damari Austin um, had several uh, explosive runs, throwing the deuces up. Uh, he had one that went for more than 60 yards. He had three explosive runs, according to Freeze. Um, ton of praise for him. And I think be interesting to see what he does with his opportunities in, in the fall because – there's a lot to like, obviously, about Jarquez Hunter and the production he's added, he's brought back. But we have seen this in the past before for Auburn. Guys that we think are going to be the dude no matter what coming into a season, only to have a younger other running back come in. And I'm not saying steal the spotlight from him. It's, it's what Philip Montgomery said the other day. It could be a, a by-committee thing. Uh, but I think Damari Austin can end up getting a bigger share of the workload than maybe people are expecting. Um, also heard about Jarquez Hunter having some good plays. Brian Batee. Uh, I didn't write him down. I feel like a moron. I did not write him down in the in the um, notes that I – or the observation that I wrote. But T had some good plays. Jeremiah Cobb, um, I know, had a flash some as well. And Jarquez Hunter was, quote, solid, of course, which I feel like is kind of what they've they've thought about Hunter throughout in the group. But ran the ball well really – ran the ball well really early on in this in this scrimmage. And, um, yeah, that, that group looks like – they're probably the furthest along of anybody, at least, you know, on offense, maybe on the whole team. Yeah, Camden, in his media opportunity, Camden Brown talked about how – we made a couple, couple interesting points about the running backs uh, to go along with what Hugh Freeze had to say uh, earlier today. But but he mentioned Jarquez has been with Cadillac so long that now he's he's got a player-coach sort of mentality, and he's teaching the other running backs things. And it's not – I mean, he's working on his own improvement as well, but – uh, Camden talked about seeing uh, uh, Jones, the, the the walk-on running back, make a move in practice, and he's like, "Oh, he learned that from Jarquez Hunter." Like he he was watching, you know, Jarquez was working on that, and now he's so to see the younger players picking up on things learned from Cadillac. I mean, those are a couple pretty good running backs to have as mentors if you're a younger running back to have Cadillac Williams and Jarquez Hunter in the room teaching you different aspects of the game. Like, you've got an opportunity to improve a lot very quickly. Sounds like Damari Alston has yeah. made a, a rapid improvement. And to become – Hugh Freeze has, on multiple occasions now, described him as one of the leaders of the team, which for a, sec, for a second-year guy who didn't play very much last year, like, he's, he's being described by the new head coach as one of the leaders of the team. And, yeah, I'm, I'm as interested in seeing Damari as – just about any player on this Auburn offense going into the season because I want to see if he can translate that into production on the field. I'll tell you, now that I think about it, when you think about the guys that have had their stock go up the most so far in camp, 
on offense. Second-year guys, Holden Garner, Damari Austin, Jay Fair as well. So, I mean, that's that's a crew, and I hope I'm right about Jay Fair. I, I always forget if he's a if he's a, a, a 21 or a 22 kid. He's a 22 kid. I was right. Okay. Um, again, it's those second-year leaps that we've we've heard about and uh, that we like to talk about. And, and There aren't very many 21s left at all. That's a good right? point. We've, we've, we've that's a good point. There's only two of those left, and Jarquez is one of them. You can remember. Who, the other one's Langlo, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Like it's, yeah. There's two And, hey, I'll throw another one. Oh, no. I'll throw another or, one. Is, is Bridges... 21 and he's and he's back on the team he's, he's no, back Bridges around or Bridges isn't back around or it's the it's the oh that uh, Caleb uh Wooden's Wooden's background that's right okay. yeah Caleb Wooden was a freshman last year. yeah I, I'll tell you this another one again I don't know if it's going to translate to a lot of playing time this year just because of the room that he's in but Michael Riley's gotten a lot of a lot of love here at tight end um so yeah those second year guys um really good signs from them the offensive line uh real quick we'll switch to defense uh here in a little bit but Offensive line sounded like they got a lot of movement, did really well early on. Fatigue, the heat got to them as practice went on. That's something that I'm sure they're going to have to work on. Uh, but setting the tone, uh, a stronger offensive line report than maybe we are used to hearing about from a first scrimmage for Auburn. Um, thought it was interesting that, uh, that Hugh Freeze said uh, that he didn't give a rat's tail uh, direct quote there, who has separated themselves at guard because they feel like they're going to need all those dudes. Um, right now we've seen Cam Stutz play a ton at right guard with the first team. It's been a battle between Jeremiah Wright and Tate Johnson at left guard. Um, obviously, Jaden Muskrat can play there. Dylan Senda's gotten some work there as well. EJ Harris got shouted out today, uh, the, uh, the Auburn High product. So, I mean, he's right, though. I mean, there's going to be a lot of focus and there's going to be a lot of um, attention on who starts at guard for Auburn this year. And, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, best-case scenario for for you, you have a starting five, your best five, at the start of the season, and you get to play all five of those guys at the end of the year, you feel good about it and move on, and you didn't have to dip into your depth. Offensive line is the play where they're slamming into each other every single snap. There are going to be injuries. There are going to be guys that get banged up. And maybe not just serious injuries that knock dudes out for a while, but – maybe drives or plays that they have to come out. So they need that depth. They need that depth to, to kind of be established. And it did sound today like the big thing for the offensive line was really good start. I think they want to see some more consistency and some more, maybe some more stamina. Um, the heat will get to you though. The heat will definitely get to you. And that kind of helped turn the tide for the defense uh, in the scrimmage, but really good, at least early reads on um, the defense or I'm sorry, the offensive line with run blocking and pass pro. Pass pro also got some some love from Freeze uh, in the early parts of the scrimmage. Right, and, and, and it doesn't seem like there's uh, much competition to be the starter at either tackle spot or center. No. Right, like right, right now, right now those races are all but all but over. Um, guard is under a lot more scrutiny. But as Hugh Freeze answered a question today, uh, you know he, he he pointed out that you're going to need more than two. At, at guard, and you you might need more than three. So yeah, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna matter who starts between Tate Johnson and Jeremiah Wright at left guard. That feels like a spot on offense where we're gonna see a lot of both of them uh, early on. Uh, as as the, may, maybe they continue the evaluation going into the season, uh, but I think that whoever finishes as the runner up could still be in line for quite a bit of playing time this season either situationally or in in the in the case that a that a guard goes down 
Also, in, uh, speaking of stock up, doesn't it seem like Dylan Senda has taken, you know, for uh, t- taken to the to the program well for a guy who just arrived? Couple, you know, couple different players have mentioned the off season Senda is having. They've, uh, I mean, I've I've seen him working second team tackle uh, in in practice. Like, oh, yeah. I, I think you, I second think you can see yeah, I mean, we're saying Dylan Sendup would be. Now you got to be so careful about this in the era of the transfer portal. But Dylan Senda would be a guy I would pencil into my 2024 uh, mm-hmm. starting lineup at at the moment, based on who we think is going to leave, see. yeah, who we think is going to stay. I think him and Muskrat are like swing guys. They feel like can be next next man up. That aren't just dudes that are really strong potential reserves at specific specific positions not specific positions specific positions um you know dylan lou or dylan lou connor lou at center uh too tall uh miller at right tackle who, who we've seen a lot as avian miller um so offensive line group um strong you know beginning maybe not as much towards the end but uh, i know auburn fans will definitely take some some positive news about the offensive line didn't hear much about. I mean, I guess Hugh Freeze was not asked a direct question about the tight ends. Yeah. In the uh, in, in the practice today, Camden Brown uh, shined some light on. Uh, I mean, he's so he's he's tight with some of the South Florida guys on the team, and so Rivaldo and Camden. Apparently, very, Ashford threw a really good ball to to Rivaldo the other day in, in practice. They got everybody excited. So Rivaldo's been playing uh, a ton of reps. It seems like, and this is unscientific, mm-hmm. but it does seem like Rivaldo. And Rivaldo and Micah Riley play one position, and Luke Deal and Tyler Fromm play a different position. And at times, they send in Micah Riley for 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 Rivaldo, and at times they send in Fromm or Frazier for Deal. Like I, I don't know how. I mean, and I guess it's all you know. But but maybe there could be sort of a specialized role for a receiver tight end. And that's where because Rivaldo, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, mm. he looks he looks more like a receiver this this fall. Yeah. Like I, I thought he's he's gotten, um, you know, he's, he's he's leaned up and looks like he might even be taller than, than he was in the spring. Like he, he looks, it's it's not. I, I could see them having a different idea for Luke. I mean, it gets back to the the scalpel and the lead pipe, right? Like it, I sure. mean, this this is you you could get Luke. I mean, Luke Deal or Tyler Fromm, and Tyler Fromm's sort of a mixture. Because uh, I don't know if blocking is the is is the strength of Tyler's game the way it's the strength of Luke Deal's game, but Tyler was, I mean Tyler was a four star, the uh, receiving tight end coming out of, of high school. You pointed that out in, in a recent comp. But Tyler would be one of the players people might forget about what kind of recruit he was uh, coming out of high school. So think, yeah, I think Auburn's I think got was too. Auburn's got a yeah Brendan Frazier of course. So so Auburn's got the whale Brendan Frazier. Uh, so 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 Auburn's Auburn's got a uh, I mean they've they've got a really impressive lineup of tight ends. I keep throwing out there, and Painter, you got to back me on this one. I want a five tight end package. I want all five of the scholarship tight ends. Hey, you Lane Kiffin's trying the five quarterback package. I'm I'm convinced. You could split. You could split from and Rivaldo out wide. You put Deal in the backfield as a sort of a fullback blocker. And then the other two tight ends are tight ends, right? Frazier and Mike O'Reilly are sort of like, like I, I don't know. I, I think you could, I think you could make it work in the right situation. And I don't know what a defense does when, when they see the five tight end look, you look like the, you look at like the bad guys from space jam, you know, coming on the, coming on the field as the your, as o, your skill o five players. personnel. 
Can't can't say that. I've seen that very often. O five personnel. Um, so let's talk about defense before we do that because we also have a, a recruit to talk about on the defensive side of the ball. Um, let's take care of some business first. Hi, if you like this show and like would like more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer for the low price of four dollars a month, or forty dollars a year uh that is a special we're running through the rest of fall camp into the you know really the start of the season for auburn football um everything we do gets emailed to your inbox whether it is a newsletter so our practice observations scrimmage observations mailbag uh also appreciate everybody with the mailbag it's a lot of fun to write it was a lot to write uh but so many people excited and there's a lot of energy and a lot of engagement and reaction um it was fun to do the to, to do the gigantic mailbag and, and i'm glad y'all uh, enjoyed it um fellas as of uh the time of this recording since you know really the last week and a half since we started uh, started this sale uh 82 new subscribers to the auburn observer new paying subscribers to the auburn Observer. so if you're one of them thank you if you'd like to be one of them uh sign up at auburnobserver.com there are links there are buttons uh everywhere that you can find what we've got going on here description um if you get the emails you get it that way and it's the perfect time to subscribe because uh, it's it's never been as cheap as it is right now. And we're glad that a lot of y'all are jumping on board. We'll have a lot more practice coverage uh, this week. And uh, mailbag, more podcast. Friends of the program might be back here soon in the next uh, few days as we get closer and closer to the season. Enemies of the program still not a thing. Um, so we got to give people a number. If we hit a number, a certain number, 150? You go 150 on the new subscriptions. We'll give them one episode of, of Enemies of the Program. Give, give them something sustainable, Justin. And we, we, we'll, 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 uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right, cool. We'll talk about it. It's um, not binding, but yeah. yeah. Gift, gift subscriptions, by the way. Gift subscriptions are an outstanding, thoughtful yeah. thing for, for, for the hey, Auburn. School start, the, the, hey, school starts back this week. If, if, if a family member of yours or a friend or whatever you know is starting school this week and they, you want to give them – Hey, Auburn football, it's actually exciting this year. People are fired up about about what's going on. Uh, Observer subscription, they can get it in their email, and uh, we like to have fun around here. Um, and uh, sometimes we have really cool and smart guests that are much better at this than we are on, on the podcast. How about this? A thoughtful wedding gift for the Auburn fans in your life. <laughs> Drop an Auburn, an Auburn subscription, an Auburn Observer subscription, it's wedding season coming up, right? I think we'll see a lot of that. You know, sure. by all means, you, you got a you got an Auburn fan and uh, uh, getting getting married. Get him a get him a subscription. Painter, let the folks at home know how they can help us out uh, with no money down, and also could end up getting a little money themselves out of it in in a certain way. Rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars. A little line or two goes a long way. Hit that follow or subscribe button. We do appreciate it. And as we're doing throughout the entire month of August, if you give us a five-star review, uh, you are entered for a shot to win a home field apparel gift card. We're going to pick out our favorite ones at the end of the month and contact you all for, uh, you know, gift certificates, gift cards, online gift cards to homefieldapparel.com. A little bit more on home field in a second, but... You can go sentimental. You can go serious. You can go funny and goofy and off the wall. You know, we we, we we appeal to a wide range of folks on here. So put those uh, put those reviews in between now and the end of the month. And uh, first, uh, first week of the season, game week, we will give out the, uh, the official uh, winners of uh, the five-star review challenge. Homefieldapparel.com is the number one place to buy 
your favorite college team, which is Auburn, if you're listening to this, more likely than not. Uh, your your favorite collegiate apparel uh, brand. You can also get the official Auburn Observer t-shirt as well if you subscribe to Homefield or subscribe. <laughs> if you go to homefieldapparel.com and search Auburn Observer, you can get the Homefield Apparel Auburn Observer t-shirt. It's blue. It's a tasteful small chest print. Um, we're not we're not too flashy on here. We're not we're not super vain. We're just only a little vain. If this is your first order from Homefield Apparel, you use the code Observer23 at checkout. You get 15% off your order at Homefield. So if you want to get an Auburn t-shirt, there's a lot of really good Auburn football, basketball, baseball, general Auburn uh, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, quarter zips, joggers. Um, they're selling every, hats. They're selling everything at homefieldapparel.com. A lot of cool Auburn stuff. The official Auburn Observer t-shirt on there as well. It's your first order, Observer23 at checkout. If there's also teams that you like or think their stuff is cool, Homefield's got a ton of them. Um, you know, over a hundred teams, I think, at this point. Uh, schools that uh, that are supplied and restocked and refreshed all the time. So go to homefieldapparel.com and let let them know the Observer sent you. Observer twenty three when checking out to get that fifteen percent off your very first order. To the defense. To the defensive side of the ball, boys. Uh, Dan, the defense, uh, a mixed bag there for those guys as well, I think. Usually in scrimmages, at least in the decade that I've been covering this, usually the first scrimmage you hear a lot more about the defense winning, which kind of makes sense. Offense is more about execution. Defense is more about, you know, effort and, you know, intensity and all and all that, so to speak. You need both on both sides of the ball, but a lot of times you can win on defense with, going all out and, and going above and beyond offense. You need to work a little bit more in concert. So usually early on in, in camp, your defense will be ahead of your offense. Sounded like today the defense, you know, got pushed around a little bit early on. Um, the running game was good. It's the two-sided coin when it comes to a scrimmage. One side does well. That means the other side has has criticisms and things to work on. It's how a head coach is never happy after a scrimmage. Um Later on in the scrimmage, guys started making more plays. I like the linebackers got into the backfield a little bit more, made plays. Larry Nixon getting some love. Also some updates on some injuries. Austin Keys not 100% at the moment. Auburn will try to get him healthy for the start of the year because he's probably a good shot to be your starting middle linebacker. Uh, and then Wesley Steiner also dealing with something as well. Um, so people have been asking about him and kind of kind of his stock and all that. Both those guys dealing with injuries, but good day for Larry Nixon. And honestly, I think that is a really good development for Auburn because he's a guy that I feel, felt like when we were talking about earlier this week, Dan, top four or five linebackers, he felt like one, trying to solidify himself and to be a really good spot. Eugene Asante's had had a great camp as well and has worked himself into into first team uh, conversation. I think Larry Nixon, uh, the the transfer from North Texas, really showcasing a lot. Josh Alder was very complimentary of him this week, and then he goes out and has a really good scrimmage that catches uh, Hugh Freeze's eye. Yeah, I, th- I thought Aldridge was great too. Getting to talk oh, to yeah. uh, to Coach Aldridge uh, ear- earlier, one of the uh, very or, best late last week. One of the very best position coaches I've ever got to cover so far. I've only had yep. you know a few times talking with him. In the in the interviews that I've done, I've I've really really enjoyed it. He's he he's one of the best that have, that have come through through here already. I can I can say that with certainty. And, and I would say bright future ahead for Josh Aldridge Absolutely. as a, as as a coach if if he wants to keep making some you know, noise on the recruiting trail as well. Yeah, I mean he's he's doing he's doing everything right at the moment, and uh, uh, so so as to your point about the offense winning or the defense winning in a scrimmage, mm-hmm. 
You know, I, I would expect Auburn's defense to have the advantage, not just in this scrimmage, but, you know, really until we see more, you know, you, usually I would think uh-huh. the defense would have the advantage. However, you know, if there's one thing, if I had to be, I mean, there's so many question marks about this team when you when you turn over as much of the roster as Auburn has turned over and switch coaches. You know, right. there's, a lot, there's a lot to wonder about. If there's one thing I would think on either side of the ball, if there's one thing I'd be confident about, it's probably the run game offensively because of the talent in the backfield and what Auburn has done on the offensive line. The secondary would probably be the the other one I would I would look at, but you know, it, uh, reviews have not been glowing, especially for you freeze. Tackling was a problem on on uh, sounded like tackling and then trying to get that second wave that depth built up. They feel good about the starters, I think, and the regular guys, but need to tackle better and need to find some more depth there. But but it's it's really it's great to hear that Auburn is is uh, producing on the ground offensively. But yeah, you do wonder, you know, could could that spell trouble for Auburn's defense during the season? Uh, the the secondary uh, stuff, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Go go ahead. I, I'll just say this. I mean, Auburn's run defense was so rough last season, and you know that's not something that's just a quick overnight fix either. Auburn's got some new guys up front. Um, Justin, you know, or Justin Rogers. Um, play more. Uh, Keldrick Falk really working in as as a defensive end. Uh, Messiah Nasila Kite, uh, Lawrence Johnson. We mentioned Larry Nixon and Austin Keys. And like, there's some new faces there. But also, it's like this is you know this was a real area of weakness last season. And uh, it's fair to say that that could be a crew that uh, needs to continue to improve. And again, not going to be an overnight thing there with that that area of the ball as well. Yes, you can come away from the scrimmage saying, wow, Auburn's running the ball well. Um, they ran the ball well last year without a great offensive line. It feels like the offensive line has improved. No Tank Bigsby, by the way, man, he's, he had a, he's having a really good start to life in Jacksonville. Draft uh, Tank Bigsby this year, folks. Yeah, I think that would be a good steal late in some, late in some, uh, some uh, fantasy football drafts. I don't, even need, I don't even know if it needs to be a keeper draft. right? Like, I feel like Tank Bigsby could pay dividends for your could end up being RB1 fantasy football teams. Yeah. This season, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you could probably say, okay, I could see where the running game would be well. But, again, Auburn's defense really needs to step up and, and make some progress in run stopping this season. And that's – especially if you've got some linebackers that are banged up, adjusting some some different stuff on the defensive line, work in progress is big there. Pass rush got some good reviews on uh, on Saturday. Um, your guy, Steven Sings, and my guy, Jalen McLeod – I think, uh, you know, Freeze talked about how much those new guys have really elevated the pass rush. They might, they feel a lot better about it. Talked about potentially having some packages where both of them are on the field at the same time. Makes a ton of sense. Going double jack at, uh, at certain times. Um, Sings and McLeod both playing well. Hustling really well. Um, Asante's gotten into that as well. Seems to be kind of setting a really, really high standard for work and, and effort and energy and intensity. And I think Sings is a guy that probably is your big, like, oh, wow, him. Like, uh, you know, making make a move. Um, guy on defense this, this fall camp, may, the bigger the biggest surprise on that side of the ball, maybe. And and uh, it, it's either him or Asante. You know, I think Asante also finds, finds that as well. Guys that were kind of overlooked, maybe not talked about as, oh, potential starters, and lo and behold, they're at that point right now. The name, well, okay, so so on Steven Sings, um, yeah, I, I just I'd heard some positive things about him from folks who watched more Liberty football 
than I did. We saw him running with the first yep. team uh, at, really at well. times uh, dur- during the week. And, and then some of the Liberty position coaches that, that came over, uh, Garrett and Aldridge, both had really positive things to say about what kind of player they were getting. And it's probably telling, right, that Hugh Freeze and his position coaches thought this is a guy who could help our defense. Yep. Let, let's let's go After get him. After spring you know? ball, feeling like they need yeah. to do it. And, and it helps. I mean, I mean, you talk about how big it is to have Sings make that step forward uh, and be that, especially if you're moving Keldrick Falk to defensive end, um, really big, really big. And then Elijah McAllister. Don't want to overlook Elijah McAllister. He made some good plays in the scrimmage on Saturday. Although it does, it does sound like at the moment maybe McLeod and Sings are in line for more playing time than McAllister. Probably, uh, but but McAllister could still have a role on the team. And you know they look when this when that guy talks, people listen. So I you know I feel like Elijah McAllister will still have, you know he'll he'll be fine. Um, you know the name along the Stephen Sings and Asante line as far as guys who I didn't know how much we were going to hear about them. Uh, in in the, uh, the going this fall camp, and they've come up a lot. Colton Hood, yeah, I guess would be the other one, yeah. right? Like, what what can you tell people about the Colton Hood buzz? Because the players, the coaches, uh, what we see mm-hmm. when we're out there, like that's a guy who uh, he could be on the field early. Yeah, he this, could. Uh, he could get this fall. He could, he could get a chance for sure. I would say that if you're looking at cornerbacks, I think Auburn's got four they feel pretty good about right now as 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 key contributors. Of course, that is DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett coming back. That's J.D. Rim coming back as well. And then, of course, Kay and Lee, who phenomenal spring, phenomenal fall for him. Colton Hood could be number five there. Champ Anthony also getting some getting some reps as that JUCO transfer. They need that next wave, right? So if you can get opportunities to get guys like Colton Hood, Sylvester Smith, um, Terrence Love, uh, J.C. Hart, some others on the field um, and steal some opportunities for them to get experience this year, you, it would – be really beneficial for Auburn because most likely no James Pritchett, you know, it's safety uh, Puckett and, and Simpson and those guys next year. Keontae Scott coming out towards the end of his career as well. So yeah, it's getting that next wave and de- developing that depth because not only do you need them for this year, you don't want to go in like completely rebuilt and completely, you know, uh, Oh, these are all brand new guys next season. Colton is uh, Rod's nephew, yep. and uh, I think he is the fifth member of that family uh, to play Auburn football. It's in the, it's in the bio. Yeah. You know who else who else from the Hood family has has played uh, at at Auburn? But no, it's really cool to to hear positive stuff about Colton. I, I remember when Colton was a recruit, uh-huh. and there were people going crazy that Auburn was sort of slow playing it. Remember, like there were folks thinking, yeah. this guy is an Auburn legacy, clearly an SEC talent." And uh, the folks are dragging their feet recruiting him, and it, it didn't take you know. Eventually, eventually he ends up at Auburn anyway. But but this is a guy who, yeah, you know, over the last week, you know, I, I would say that's a that's a stock up situation uh, with uh, with with Colton Hood. Uh, also, Colton Hood uh, from Conyers, Georgia, uh, which is where I was born. So we got that in common. Uh, he is an elite athlete. Uh, whose family members went to Auburn. I am a non-elite athlete whose family members went to Auburn. So we've got that in common. And we were both, we were both originally from Conyers. Um, but, yeah, Colton Hood's got, turned a lot of heads. I think he has had a really good um, camp so far. It'll be interesting to see how that next wave gets some play in time this year uh, for you know that group. So mixed bag on defense. Uh, had better plays towards the end of the scrimmage than they did at the beginning. I think the offense kind of wore down a little bit. The defense took advantage of that. 
Uh, some good plays there from those guys. A lot of Letterman there today. ton of Letterman in, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I think I saw Jason Caldwell say that he thought it was the most he had seen yet for a scrimmage. And, folks, Jason's been, been around for a while, and he's seen a lot of these. So, I think that's pretty telling. Also telling about where Auburn is, uh, another commitment. And uh, we need to talk about this guy uh, on, uh, on, this, on this podcast. Um, Auburn picking up another blue chip player in the class of 2024 on the defensive side of the football. And that would be none other than TJ Lindsey. Uh, four-star composite defensive lineman, originally from Arkansas, uh, now plays at IMG Academy. Uh, he had a great offer list, uh, a who's who of, of power conference teams, and he had also officially visited Miami, Texas, and Texas A&M, along with Auburn. He makes a commitment to Auburn. Uh, Lindsey is a player that uh, really um, you know, stands out as somebody that a lot of people are going to want. Um, kind of that borderline three-star, four-star, depending on where you're looking at. Uh, big dude, 6'3", 291. Um, you know, he's got a lot of power to his game, moves well for his size, but a defensive tackle uh, that they could really kind of, um, you know, really, really put in the core and the anchor of that defense moving forward. Jeremy Garrett, I know, is excited about uh, the potential of only Lindsey, but this class uh, and, and what they could be building on that side of the ball. Jeremy Garrett, we were just talking about, you know, watch out for Josh Aldridge over the next few years because he's got a bright future. I'd say the same thing about Jeremy Garrett. Jeremy Garrett, I believe Ole Miss class of 07 or 08. You know, he's a, a relatively young guy in the, in the profession, uh, but he spent time at a couple of big-time high schools, an NFL program, and now he's been with Hugh Freeze for a couple of years at Liberty and, and Auburn. And uh, T.J. Lindsay, and I have to be careful not to call him T.J. Finley, uh, <laughs> but T.J. Lindsay uh, is uh, was was just uh, you know he he really focused a lot of his praise on Jeremy Garrett and the relationship they've established over the last few months, and it played a, a significant role in his choosing Auburn over. I think A and M was uh, was one of the A&M, big I mean, Miami look, and Texas were the other ones that got official visits in June. Look, you beat A and M for a line of scrimmage player, yeah. right? Like that's that's a step in the right direction because A and M wins a lot of those battles, especially when Georgia and Alabama aren't involved, mm-hmm. right? Like that's 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 been A and M over the last couple of years, and so to win an out of state recruiting battle for a uh, for a defensive lineman uh, against against a school like A and M, Texas as well, uh, but that that's a that's a feather in the cap. For the staff, and speaking of defensive line, is it is it a, about a week away from uh, Camarion Franklin? Yep, Camarion uh, Franklin you know, the, uh, announcing next Saturday. Um, Auburn's got to feel pretty good about their uh, about their spot there. Uh, our buddy Christian Clemente at two four seven has a crystal ball prediction in for uh, Auburn to snag Camarion Franklin. Franklin about as close to a composite five star as you can get without being one. Two four seven's got him as a five. He's a really, really high composite four-star, top 50 player in the country, top 10 defensive lineman, uh, and uh, in the running to be the number one player out of the state of Mississippi this year. This is an argument we've had on the drive before. I think if one service has you as a five-star, people can call you a five-star without it being suspicious. Now, the, the, the question, I guess the opposite of that would be, who's the, who's the signee or who's the commitment from Auburn? Is it the, is it the guy from Tuskegee? 
who is a four star on all of the services, but a composite that five that star is actually is, that is actually uh, Demarcus Riddick from Chilton County. Riddick, that's right. It's yeah, Demar- Demarcus Riddick. So Auburn has someone who is like that one's more dicey as far as describing him as a five star because none of the services actually have him rated as so, a five star, even though in the composite he's one of the top thirty two players, right? And so. They, they've got him. They, they've they've got him ranked as an as an overall five. Looking at the ratings right now for Camarion Franklin, um, one service has him way lower than the rest do. Two of them have him as a five star. Three of them have him as a top thirty player, and one of them does not have him anywhere near a top thirty player, um, which is probably why. But three out of three out of the four major recruiting services have him as a top thirty player overall and a top six or seven defensive lineman in the country. Uh, rival. I'll, I'll say this: Rivals has him as the number eleven player in the country right now, and a and uh, the number two defensive lineman. So, um, you know, half of them have him as five stars. Another one has him as an extremely high four star, and then another one has him as just a four star. I wonder if re ratings or something like that. You know, it'll it'll kind of balance out. But that's that's why the composite is a little different for a guy like Marion Franklin. Sounds like there's some five star hating going on from that one recruiting service that has. Camarion uh, ranked significantly lower uh, than the, uh, the than the others, but but no, I, I would uh, yeah, I'd call I'd comfortably call Camarion Franklin a five star if Auburn can land him mm-hmm. a week oh, yeah. from now, yeah. and and what yeah, what an addition that could be potentially to this twenty four class would be huge. And TJ Lindsay, a, a big commitment there. You, you'll take a guy that's pushing near three hundred. He's grown a lot. I think there's some kind of outlets and services still have him listed two sixty five, two seventy. I've seen. You know, today nearly two, three hundred. So interior guy, um, really good fit for what they want to do. You want athletic, physical tackles. Um, you know, especially with guys like Keldrick Falk, and you've reloaded things on the edge. You got some big dudes. You got some big older dudes on this team right now. So getting that next wave going in the trenches is going to be pretty big. Uh, Darren Reed, you know, a guy who's currently on this team that was a pretty highly rated guy coming out of high school, uh, can play a part in that. As well, but that is a really good, um, really good pickup for Auburn. And then, yeah, Kamarian Franklin eyes on him next week, uh, the uh, five-star defensive lineman from Mississippi. Uh, Auburn seemingly in a pretty good spot for him. But as we said, um, you know, I'm not besmirching Christian by any means. Christian knows his stuff, but you know, recruiting can switch pretty quickly, as we just saw what we started the show with the Flory Badunga uh, recruiting saga. People we think are smart seem people to feel we know good. are smart. Yeah. feel that way, but we also know that recruiting can be a very topsy turvy uh, kind of uh, situation. Yeah, sometimes I mean, look, uh, sometimes the weatherman says it's going to be fine tomorrow, and you're you're walking in a downpour, right? So I mean, that their best guess is is that you know Auburn's in pretty good position here, but you know, give them some wiggle room. I think you know this, this thing could this thing could go another way. I don't know who is Auburn's chief competition for uh, Camarion Franklin off off the top of my head. Looks uh, like I don't think looks like the other two visits now, now Franklin's supposed to be visiting Auburn in September. Uh, the other two OVs he's at are Miami and Tennessee. I was going to say I don't think the in-state schools are are in the Ole Miss and Mississippi State Not haven't as much, been. It looks like yeah. So so uh, Auburn uh, battling with some some SEC you know an SEC school and. A place that's landed some pretty good defensive linemen uh, in its uh, in its past uh, in Miami and Tennessee. All right, real quickly, um, Auburn gets back to the practice field on Monday, so a few hours after you listen to this, Auburn will be back on the field. Uh, Tuesday we have a viewing window, so you can look for some observations. Then, uh, first day of, pr- of uh, 
school is on Wednesday. First day of classes are on Wednesday. Auburn's off then, and then it's back to it's over to a afternoon schedule starting next Thursday. We'll have plenty of stuff. Another scrimmage next week. Um, be a lot of stuff on the Observer. AuburnObserver.com. Sign up. It's four dollars a month or forty dollars a year um, for your first year. If you want to jump on right now, it's the cheapest and best time I would say to do it, and a lot of y'all have. Really, really appreciate all the love from the folks uh, who sent in mailbag questions this week, the new subscribers, folks who are giving subscriptions. Really, really cool to see. Um, I know there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around this program. It's going to be a very interesting, very exciting season, I think, of Auburn football ahead. And uh, new era getting kicked off. Um, a lot of new faces, a lot of moving parts. Uh, it's not going to be boring, and we appreciate you guys who are going to be joining us the rest of the way uh, here on uh, on the Observer. Um, our next podcast will be later this week uh, for subscribers only. Friends of the program will be back here soon for subscribers as well. Dan is looking at me funny, and I'm not going to reference it again twice. No, no chance I'll do it twice on one podcast. This is normally the time where I say painter final thoughts, but I have a final thought of my own that I want to share with you guys, and it's related to something that I just mentioned, friends of the program. Painter, I know you may have seen this already. If not, I'm about to send you a tweet on Twitter, on our in our DM, our group, our group message, and I want live reactions to this. This is a tweet that was sent out uh, just moments ago uh, from friend of the program like legit friend of the program, Dave McKinney, and I have just sent it, and I want to see what you guys think of it. What a great group of guys. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> Outstanding. So friend of the program, Dave McKinney, is at Dodger Stadium, and uh, it just uh, Bob Odenkirk is there, and <laughs> he took a picture of Bob Odenkirk. So uh, the man of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad fame, a lot of other stuff too from from Bob Odenkirk, Mr. Show. Um uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot. But I do want to say this. Dan, who was the most famous person? When you lived in L.A., and I know you, you were industry, you were in the industry at times, industry adjacent at other times. Who's the most famous person that you met? Or maybe who's the most famous person you have a picture with? And, Painter, I want to ask you the same question. Mm. Ooh, most famous picture I have a picture with might be Weird Al. Okay, that's um, sick. <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah, weird, I saw. That one's hard to so, beat. So I, I interned for um, I interned for Chris Hardwick mm. for uh, six months when I was a, a film school student, and it was when they were launching the YouTube channel around the Nerdist podcast, and so people would people would hang. I mean, Kumail came in all the time, right? Uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's someone that it's it's it was. To see him turn into a Oscar-nominated, well, or, or yeah, the Oscar-nominated version of him before he became Oscar-nominated, Oscar-nominated <laughs> screenplay, yeah, Oscar-nominated screenwriter, and now yeah, jacked superhero has been a pretty wild transition. A lot of the coolest things I got to do. Well, speaking of, of Bob Odenkirk, um, he uh, I, I knew someone who worked on uh, who worked on Better Call Saul. Uh, well, they, I guess she worked on Breaking Bad and then and then Better Call Saul and uh, and. Got got to meet uh, Bob Odenkirk one time at a at a thing and tell him what a big fan of uh, of, uh, of of Mr. Show uh, that I am and he was he was very polite and and very cool and and a, a great guy and I'm sure it was very exciting for for those guys to get to meet him. Got to meet uh, John Hamm well, at a, a uh, at, at a thing and he was yeah John Hamm came through the office once and that was that was really exciting. There's a famous bit where 
Conan O'Brien gifted an employee a picture of John Hamm for her birthday and then had John Hamm come and surprise her to sign the picture because she was a big a big John Hamm fan and this was a thing. And that employee also worked in this office. And so John Hamm came by and sort of dry, and I got to see the reunion in person between the the, the Conan employee and, and John Hamm. And, and we talked about the Cardinals for a little while. And John Hamm's just a uh, he's a he's a pretty cool guy. And I, I, I think uh, that that's that's I he's he's really effortlessly funny mm-hmm. to where like I wasn't surprised to see him do well on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And, and I think like he'd be he's like the rare person who could pick up the mantle if Larry David's like, I can't do this anymore, but something like Curb needs to keep going on. I, th- I think you could base it around John Hamm because he's got those kind of skills. Incredible run as the uh, antagonist in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, he has side character, minor side characters in 30 Rock and uh, Parks and Rec that he's phenomenal in, and I'm sure he's done a bunch of other great stuff. He is, like, yeah, naturally funny. The fact that he did, like, his, his most famous role is this, like, tortured, super dramatic role and I think he just, like, I don't want to know if it's his best, because he's obviously very good in the dramatic stuff, but, like, my favorite stuff from him is when he's just a big goober, like a, like a big, handsome, handsome goober. Like, that's, that's kind of that's where, where John Hamm's at his, at his best. And not to, not to talk about suits anymore, because I've learned my lesson, but... Okay, y'all mentioned um, this, and now I know this is a thing. Like, I've seen yeah. several references to it since yeah. we recorded that. It's so weird. The, the NSA is on fire. We are ahead of the curve, my friend. This show is information for life. But if you've never seen Mad Men, yeah. like it really it really is one of the great accomplishments ever on television. Like it's it's a miracle that this thing got made and got to be as weird and as dark and but but also like at times super silly and funny. Like I I think that's a show and I understand it's a little bit of a Getting into it, you know, the first couple seasons or uh, the, the pacing is, is a little bit slow. But, yeah, w- once it pe- does. I tell people the same thing about Justified. Although I will say Justified has one of the best pilots ever. The the first, And, no, the Mad Men pilot is, is Mad outstanding, Men pilot is very too, good but, too. But once they, yeah, once they sort of figure out, like, what the show is, which I think I think it's early in season three when that happens. From, from that point on, it's just it's just remarkable. But, yeah, that that's a that's a show I can I can wholeheartedly recommend to uh to, to just about anybody. Painter, your answer. Um, Jeff Lebo. 